0: You could probably send your young ones down to the nursery. Are we doing that? All right. So if you want to send young ones down to the nursery, if you, this would be the time. If you want to keep them up here, my wife has crayons and coloring books to keep them entertained. Um, she'll bring them around. Raise your hand if you need one. Mark. <laughs> um, let's uh, uh, pray right quick, and we'll, we'll have a look at the, the message for this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with me this morning and just uh, help me to speak words that are reflecting um, your word, Lord. Help me to um, speak what's true to the message that, that's presented in Scripture. And I pray that you would be with the folks who are here this morning and help them to, to hear, um, hear what you have to say, Lord. Um, don't let me get in the way of, of the message, Lord, but, but um, speak despite me. In Jesus' name, amen. It is the first Sunday of the new year. Did you all know that? It has finally gotten here. And i got to ask, I don't know if I've asked this before, but I am going to ask this morning. um, Did anybody do resolutions this year? Anyone? Has anybody given up? (laughs) Um, I I was reading about half of Americans make resolutions every year. And uh, anybody want to guess as to what percentage actually accomplished them? All right, who guessed 10? Anybody got another guess close to 10? It's eight, eight percent of people who make resolutions manage to accomplish it. Like it is a fool's errand across the board. And the main thing really is, like, if you're the same person on you know December 31st as you are on January 1st, and the only difference is you say I'm going to lose weight, like it's the same person who didn't lose weight last year, right? <laughs> it's the same person who you know. They just can't. Yeah, I, I. uh I personally, like I, it was like the day after Christmas, I looked at how much weight I had gained during the holiday, and I turned on, I dug the treadmill out from underneath the coats and shoes that had piled up on it, and I ran five miles, and I I woke up sick the next morning, which which proves that that exercise is bad for you. Um, (laughs) It should be avoided. Anybody want to guess what the number one most common um, resolution is? Oh, my gosh. How did you know? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, this is actually not a correct list. Lose weight is the most common one. Uh, getting organized. Um, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm organized. It's it's just a type of chaotic organization. Uh, spend less and save more is number three. Enjoy life to the fullest is number four, which actually goes against number one if you think about it, and number three. <laughs> um, uh, stay fit and healthy, again, contradictory to enjoying life to the fullest. Uh, learn something exciting. Quit smoking. Anybody sworn on that one once or twice? I, I was actually, when I was a smoker, I was really good at quitting. Um, I did it sometimes three or four times a day. It was... <laughs> Totally easy. Staying and quit. Um, help others in their dreams. Fall in love and spend more time with the family is number 10, which tells you where our priorities are since lose weight is number one. And um, the interesting thing about this, and I, I, was out, um, I was out walking the dog the other day, and I, I was thinking about this whole idea of, of resolving to change and, and all these other things. And I was looking at, like, this list Actually, of of the most common resolutions, and and I it got me thinking about priorities and and the things that are that are um, that our culture really focuses on the things that are really important like like being thin and healthy is important in our culture right I mean it's a big deal um, or or um, you know enjoying every moment is important in our culture it's something that we talk about um, as much as we you know decry smoking like like it's not very easy to quit and that's something that our culture says well you should do right and so I, I backed up and I was looking at at texts um, regarding what God looks for out of us and I, uh, I, I wanted to share kind of kind of the perspective I found in Scripture on this topic the if you are going to do anything, if you are going to change in any way, um, if you are going to going to shift your perspective or your, your identity like what should you be doing um, and we're going to be in first Timothy uh, four um, A little background. Did I I double skip slides? Oh, I did have a slide for all of that. Drink less alcohol, by the way. That's also on the most common ones. I didn't include that. Um, All right, so Timothy, the passage we're going to look at is one of the most misquoted passages in the Bible. Okay, like if there's a top 20 list of misquoted passages or misunderstood passages, this one's on that list, right? Um, Right up there with God helps those who help themselves, which is not in the Bible, (laughs) Everything happens for a reason also, not in the Bible. Um, wherever two or more gathered in my name, which is in the Bible, but isn't about worship. It's about excommunication. Funny thing. Um, and so uh, what happened to my – all right, so Timothy, this letter is written to Timothy. Timothy didn't write it. It was written by Paul. My wife is messing with the slides, so I have to stall until she finishes. Um, Timothy didn't write it. He's a pastor at a church, and Paul's writing him an instruction letter for, um, for, for leading his congregation. And so he, he is given a number of instructions, and, and he's given specifically how to deal with some issues that the church was facing. Now, that church in particular had like this weird thing that was happening where you had a, a group, like a sect within the church, and they were all young housewives. Not saying anything in particular by mentioning that, but it is what was going on. They were all young housewives, and they had sort of fallen together, and they'd gotten into this, like, like. I, I, the only thing I could compare it to in our culture would be, like, Oprah. You guys know who Oprah is, right? She used to have a TV show once upon a time. She was, like, richer than the Catholic Church. Um, and, and Oprah has done this, like, series of spiritual things recently, right? And it's always something, like, crazy. I mean, it's always something so far out there. If she finds, like, a a Christian pastor to to be on her show or to do anything, it's it's always – I'm still not able to use my slides yet. It's always something, like, completely wacky and out there. Um, These guys had gotten together. These young housewives had gotten together, and they'd come up with all of these things that they needed to do to be right in front of God, right? And so they had this whole list of stuff. It's like, well, you should, um, you know, fast as much as you can, and you should – abstain from certain aspects of your marriage, which created a lot of conflict in the church. Um, You figure it out on your own or ask your parents when you get home. Um, They they had all of these things that they were doing. And Paul, like, has kind of spent a lot of time sort of dressing these folks down. Can I have my slides back? Oh, I do have them. And so the five verses preceding the ones that we're looking at, we're going to go through real quick because I like context. Does that make sense? Like nothing in the Bible happens on its own. It's always surrounded by other verses and stories and stuff, and it's not good to take things alone. And so for context, um, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. So what Paul is writing here, he's saying, listen, there are folks around you, and it will be this way forever, especially like when we get to the end of history, where folks are going to chase after stuff that's nonsense, Right? And they're going to tell you, if you want to be right in front of God, you need to not eat these foods, or you need to not do this, or you need to not do that, or you need to not get married, or you need to not um, have amorous time with your spouse, or you need to not do these things. And the, these, these teachings had become very common in this church, and um, Paul tells them, cut that nonsense out, right? Eat whatever you want. Everybody got that? Yeah. <laughs> um, Donuts are not evil in and of themselves, right? Um, I I showed a video clip of uh, Joel Osteen. You guys know who he is? Joel Osteen. I I had a video clip of a sermon he did where he tells people not to eat pork. Paul teaches against that, okay? (laughs) Like, you can eat bacon. It's good for us. We should say thank you to God for it. (laughs) I figured I'd get an amen if I did that long enough. I thought donuts would do it, but anyway. (laughs) And so... Paul says, listen, ignore all of this nonsense. He goes forward. He says, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. So Paul says, listen, if you go to your church and you teach them this, you're doing the right thing. Okay? you don't have to teach them that they need to abstain from all sorts of stuff. God did not like save you so that you could make yourself miserable. Everybody got that? Um, now that doesn't apply to everything or, you know, but we can get into the specifics if you have questions. Um, but he says, listen, don't, don't feel bad about teaching them this. Don't let people pretend that they're being super spiritual because they don't eat pork or don't let people pretend that they're being super spiritual because they, they, you know, abstain from marital relations or don't, you know, whatever, like these are not spiritual things. And so people who are saying that that's the truth are not telling the truth. Okay. Everybody with me? Paul goes on. He says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have have been acquainted with the spiritual writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And the man... Oh, wait a minute. I actually need to jump back here. I, I screwed up. Please forgive me. Um, that was a side verse. I was, so Paul says, listen, um, teach what you've known. And then he, I'm, I'm referencing another letter. This is a second letter that Paul sent. Oh, I completely blew it. Um, this is the second letter Paul sends him, and he says, listen. Um, in this second letter, he says, listen, um, continue in what you've learned and affirmly believe. He tells him, listen. Don't worry about chasing after this new nonsense that people are giving you. What you have, what God has given you to teach you how to live right is in the scriptures, right? Like you've studied the scriptures. You know what they are. You've read them. Don't let people come to you with nonsense and tell you this is what you need to do when all along the scriptures have taught you what you need to do. Everybody with me? Um, and, and he gives actually specifically what it's good for. It's good for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in Righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So in in the second letter, he says, listen, um, first off, it's good for everything about correcting and directing, right? So if you need a direction in life, if you need a correction, if you're struggling with something, if you're failing in an area, if you don't quite know how to manage an aspect of your life, like you don't need to come up with some crazy thing to get you out of it. What you need is you need to look at what God has taught you, right? And... Sort of the key in this is in becoming like a more ideal Christian or becoming what you're meant to be as a believer, like studying the scripture is sort of central. Everybody with me? Like I know guys who – I know guys when we were in Indiana, I knew, I knew quite a few guys actually who um, spent almost every day after work in the gym for an hour, right? And they were, and they were buff. Right. They were they were muscular and they were fit. And, you know, they'd come into the room and the other the other women employee uh, the women employees, not the other women employees um, (laughs) would kind of, you know, the the way they talked and the way they held themselves changed a little because they were really good looking guys. Um, But a lot of those guys were a mess. Right. I I knew one guy who went he was like a, a former police officer. He went to national levels for for judo competitions, you know, and he was he was something else. But, like, he couldn't keep his personal life straight, right? And so he looked good on the outside, right? But nothing was right on the inside. Um, ultimately, ultimately, um, the things that we have on the inside, the things that are shaped and driven and, like, like reformed through God's word are the things that matter in total. Um, we can be perfect in the outward, wealthy, um, you know, quit smoking. Spend less, or spend less and save more. We can accomplish every resolution we might set out to do, but ultimately, if our hearts aren't right, we've got nothing. Um, because anybody know who Jack Lane is? Who's Jack Lelaine? He was a, he he was an exercise guy, and he sold juicers for a while too, right? Um, And and he was – actually, there was a video I saw of him, like, when he was in his 80s, like, swimming across the English Channel or something crazy. I mean, the guy was so amazingly fit. Guess where he is now? He's dead. (laughs) Um, I'm not saying anything bad about Jack LaLanne. What I'm saying is, ultimately, wealth, health, um, good-looking, lots of women, anything you can pile up and have, it's for now, Right? What happens to it when you go? It stays behind, right? You take nothing with you, nothing. Um, your good health will one day be a be a body in the ground like like decomposing. That's a really depressing thought, isn't it? Um, what Paul, what Paul is putting forward to Timothy is, watch this, he's saying. Um, the scriptures, what you can dig into and fill yourself with, it changes you. It makes you into something more. I got another passage from Second Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Um, what's he talking about? He's saying, listen, we study the scriptures, and the scriptures turn us into this type of person. Our goal as people, ultimately, I'm going to stand in front of God one day. All of you will stand in front of God one day, Right? Um, if I stand in front of God and say, "You know what? I had a six pack. It's just in there somewhere. <laughs> Does God care? No. I might stand in front of God and say, "You know what? I had the nicest car on the block. God care? Nope. God, did you see that 12 point buck on my wall? You care <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! <laughs> he might care about that, <laughs> but deep down, do you think he cares? Probably not, right? At the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, when I stand before God, I'm either going to be presentable before Him or I ain't, right? And my stuff ain't going to make me presentable, and how handsome I am, and I am handsome, it ain't going to help. My wife has given me grief about self-deprecation, so I'm going in the other direction this year. Please enjoy it. (laughs) That's what you meant, right, honey? Um, Going back to the First Timothy passage. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Now, I I preach out of the ESV. Um, The the way this is phrased in the ESV isn't as fun as some of the others. Um, It's irreverent myths or... Old wives tales is the other like like I was looking at. I wanted to use that, but i don 't jump between translations it 's bad form um, but but what he 's saying here is he's saying, listen, bankrupt spiritual junk or silliness is not what you need to chase after um, the, this This stuff that our culture puts in front of us, like every day should be a Friday, you should enjoy every day to its fullest, right or have your best life now. Um, it's not scriptural, right? Or um, there's a preacher who wrote a book recently on, on how you should use the book of Daniel to lose weight, right? Anybody know who I'm talking about? Is he a thin man? Nope. <laughs> Never buy a diet book from a fat guy. Um, it's true, right? And ultimately, if you're thin and not spiritual, you've got that until you die, right? And it doesn't go with you. The book of Daniel is not a weight loss plan. The book of Daniel is the story of God's people in exile, right? Like, like it, it's like looking at something deep and meaningful and finding exactly the opposite in it, right? And that would be a bankrupt spiritual perspective, right? That would be a pointless, meaningless thing to chase after. What Paul is saying is these folks who are trying to make themselves good, trying to make themselves right, by silliness, by stuff that has nothing to do with obeying the teachings of Jesus or following Christ or becoming more Christ-like or serving our neighbors or loving the people who are unlovable. And we all know a few of those people, right? Don't point. Um, especially don't point at me. Um, like these are the things that we're, that we're supposed to be chasing after, this, this pursuing of righteousness and pursuing of godliness um, and instead, the people in that culture, they had started chasing after things that or in this church had started chasing after bankrupt old wives tales. And um, if you look at the, the priorities that our culture, like our, our New Year's resolutions, honestly, is what jumped out at me. This is it. Right. Like like oftentimes we say, I want to become better this way and we ignore the things that are really important. Um, although nobody raised their hand for making resolutions this year, so I'm not talking to any of you. Uh, four eight. Um, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Has anybody ever heard this verse before? A lot of times you'll see this on the on the wall of a gym. I've seen it like printed on a wall of a gym. And say, well, bodily training has value, but it's not as important as spiritual stuff. He's actually talking about discipline, right? Like spiritual discipline should be fasting or abstaining from certain things or trying to hold yourself in and like I'm not going to just indulge in everything. And and Paul's saying, Listen, all of that stuff, right? All of that stuff has some value. There is actually value in self control, isn't there? I mean, there's value in um, maintaining yourself. There's value in managing your money properly. There's value in not being 700 pounds. There's value in like, like these things. There's some value in some of this stuff that our culture puts so much weight in, right? But ultimately it has value only as a secondary, a secondary issue next to spiritual depth. Um, godliness is a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. There's a, uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said it, um, um, that a man is no fool if he'll trade what he can't keep um, for what he can't lose. I think that's right. I'm probably just butchering it. Um, what he's talking about, oh, Jim Elliott. Thank you. I, somehow I knew that you would have that. Um, what he's talking about is what I have in this life, if I'm willing to trade that for eternity— That's a good trade, right? Because the amount of time that I have here, almost nothing, right? Like if you think a hand width and then measure from like the side of my hand to Larry's house, that's sort of the beginning of eternity with my hand width being now, my life, right? What we have in this life is so temporary. Um, In fact, you want to really hear an illustration of this talk to a parent of a kid graduating from college, right, or getting married, and one of the most common phrases you'll hear is, seems like you were just a little baby a few months ago, right? Larry, your daughter's getting married this summer. Does it seem like she was young just, just yesterday? How quick did it disappear? I mean, it's like the blink of an eye that things go by, and it's, it's a sad part of life, but the reality is that the life we have here and now, the present life, is nothing compared to the life to come. And thin, fit, beautiful, wealthy, everything, not valuable compared to eternity. Whereas godliness, developing spiritual depth, drawing close to God, like it's got value in this life. It does. Um, you want to see a man who's got good relationships, find somebody who's got a really intimate connection with Jesus because he's somebody who um, loves the people around him, who forgives freely, who gives freely, is generous, watches for folks like who, who need help and helps them, um, goes out of his way to invest in other folks. I'm, I'm, there are actually people like this in this room, Like, and most of y'all you know, can think of people like this in your lives who, because of their relationship with Christ, they just everybody that comes near him is better. Right? There's value in godliness in this life. But it's a value that goes on into eternity. Right? I'm, I'm going to pick on Brooke and Renee. There are folks that Brooke and Renee know. Right? How long have you all been doing youth work here? <laughs> long enough that you don't remember. Um, there are young people that Brooke and Renee have known who will one day stand in front of God right Because of the work that he's done through them. Isn't it true? Like, like Jeremy. But, but even beyond that, there are people, Jeremy is like, like somebody who shares Jesus and, and tries to like represent who God is. And like, there are people who will one day stand right in front of God because of the work Jeremy will do in his life, right? And so the investment that they put into him, he's putting into other people. And there's, a, like, growth in that harvest, right? There's value in that time, right? There are other things they could have been doing, right? Like, Brooke could have taken up golf or, or um, wasn't very good at it. You could have gotten good at it. Um, you could have slept late some days. You could have used the weekends you've done for, for retreats to Trails End Ranch and, and whatnot. Like, you could have used those for anything, right? But it's time that's not wasted because there's value in that that goes beyond this life. Um, There's value in that that's eternal. Um, And what Paul is talking about here, what he's telling Timothy is, listen, these things that these folks are chasing after, these disciplines, these silly things that have nothing to do with being right before Jesus, they don't have value in eternity. Not the way that godliness does. And we gain that godliness through studying the scriptures investing, becoming Christ-like. And honestly, through the scriptures, God, like, invests in us, fills us with his spirit, and we become like Jesus. It's not like we try really hard, um, though trying is a part of it. It's more that God works through us. Um, I skipped nine. There it is. Um, The saying is is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Um, That's precursor to ten. So Paul says, listen, this saying is true. Listen to this. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, um, we work and strive and study and grow and change and like, like invest in the scriptures and pray and grow and grow and grow. We do it because we look to God and we say, I know you're real and I have hope in that right? I have hope that eternity is something that's going to be worth experiencing. I have hope that everybody I've loved who've lost, right? Everybody who's gone in my life has gone on to stand in front of you, and there's hope in that. I have hope that I have forgiveness for the garbage I've done, right? And I got a pile of garbage myself. I don't know about y'all. Um, but I have hope that the future will be better. Why? Because of, because First off, because God promises it and he promises it through the savior of all people, who's Jesus, who takes punishment for our sins and like demonstrates that there's resurrection and that will like eternity is real and that all people will be resurrected. Like all of this is in Christ. And so Paul says, listen, this is the truth and this is the thing you need to trust in. It's that our hope, the thing that we're working towards is worth working towards, that the living God will be true to his word and that. Because he saves us, because he's brought us salvation, we can be right and we have something to strive for. Um, he ends this section, this argument, with command and teach these things. Um, what's, what's Paul telling him to command and to teach? In this life, the thing that has value, right? If you hear me say nothing else, as you go into 2015, hear this. Um, there is nothing that will have more value in your life than intimacy with God, right? Right? It doesn't mean reject your family in the name of intimacy with God. Actually, intimacy with God should enhance your relationship with your family, right? It should affect how you work. It should affect how you spend money. It should affect how you do everything. But it's that intimacy with God, like, that shapes those things. It makes them happen. And it makes them happen in a real, significant, eternal way. Because if I... If I love my family, but I don't love them in light of who God is and what God's made me to be and who God has made them to be, I'm living in a pale shadow of what could be, right? What could be is forever. Um, there's a couple of books floating around. I've loaned them to half a dozen people maybe, or actually ten people in this church. Um, you and Me Forever by Francis Chan. Some of you all have copies of my book. If you haven't read it, um, Read it. If you want a copy of it, ask me and I'll buy a copy for you. Um, It's about marriage in light of eternity, like how God planned for family to be in light of forever. Right. How God planned us as people to be in light of heaven and eternity and existing forever. Like, like it's all fits into this. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, As you go into 2015, my challenge for you is how are you growing? Like, what are you striving for? Are you striving for being the, you know, fittest person on the block or the, the, the guy with the nicest car or, you know, just catching every football game that happens on Sunday every week or, or what have you? Like, what are you striving for? What's your goal? Um, and is it something that's going to last? Um, ultimately, what God created us for is intimacy with Him and to reflect His glory. Um, if we're striving towards that, we're aiming at something that, that can't ever go away. Um, let's close in prayer. And, and um, do we have a last one? What? No? Okay. I have no idea what she's saying. Oh, we do have communion day. I call my guys forward for communion. Um, <laughs> I've been on vacation and that's my excuse.